All right. Good morning, everyone. How are you? Good. Yeah. As, as Lindsay mentioned, if you guys struggled to uh, get here this morning, I just want to let you know that you won't have to struggle next year because next year, Epic is going to camp in the Redwoods, okay? So here's what I want you to do right now. I want you to pull out your phone, if that's where you keep your calendar or your paper calendar. And I want you, oh, if you have a paper calendar, you probably don't have May of 2019. But what I want you to do is save the dates of May 17th through the 19th. We're going to have a retreat as a church, it's a church-wide retreat. Everyone's invited. We're going to have kids, families, and it's just going to be a great time for us to be refreshed. We're going to be in the Redwoods. We're going to have the camp to ourselves. Um, it's only 90 minutes away, so it's nearby. It's going to be a great time of recreation, a lot of fun things to do out there, and a great time of inspiration. So we are already planning and working towards that. Um, more details will follow in the coming months. It's going to be affordable, and again, you do not want to miss it. So block it off May 17th through the 19th, Beta Breakers weekend. Epic <laughs> is going to be at camp that weekend. All right. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right. So whenever I'm walking around um, the neighborhood, either to and from work or for lunch, I think it's so cool when I bump into people from our church community. It makes this big city feel small. And I like that. Um, the other day I was walking to work and I bumped into one of our young adults um, and uh, she, she serves in kids ministry and she also serves with our groups. And we started chatting for a little bit and she mentioned, hey, I won't be at church this Sunday because I have a work conference to go to. I'm like, that's the story of our lives here at Epic. Everyone has a conference or something going on in the weekends. But I wasn't too sure exactly what she did for work. So I asked her, and she said, I'm a technical writer at one of the local tech companies. And as she's telling me what she does, um, I'm like, so you, you mean you write the manuals that no one ever reads? And I almost felt bad for her for a moment. I'm like... Not really. I, I didn't feel bad for her. Um, but before I could finish what I was thinking, I was like, what is exactly does she do? Does she like it? And as she's telling me her job, she uses this word after she's done explaining her job. She says, fun. And I'm like, wow, like that's never a word that I would use to describe what she does. And this is how you know that God has made us unique. But I'm so glad that she can use that word because she's spending most of her days doing exactly that. And she really does enjoy her job. She, she's like, engineers typically don't like to write about the products. They just want to create. And so she's like, I, I take what's been created and I write instruction manuals and how-to guides and the like so that users know how to use a product. In essence, her job is to take and communicate complex and te technical information more easily. And, and her job is absolutely essential, regardless if you and I never engage it unless we are stuck or things have gone terribly wrong with the product that we are using. Now, how does that apply to today? Well, today... We are on week three of our Speak to Me series. For the past two weeks, we have been saying that God still speaks and that we can recognize his voice. And if you missed either one of those messages, I recommend you go back to our website and hear those messages. But today, I want to talk to us about the primary way that God speaks to us. Dallas Will Willard simply writes this in Hearing God, his book. 
the primary manner of communication from God to humankind is the word of God or God speaking. The Bible itself is God speaking preserved in written form. In this book, in this book, we have the very words of God. So if any of us have been saying, God, speak to me. If any of us have been praying, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. If any of us has a desire to hear from God, then we have to couple that desire with opening up this book and reading it. Because 95% of the time, that's how we are going to hear his voice. And the other 5% of the time, we will still need this book because that's how we are going to verify that it is actually him that we are hearing and not something else. A little later on, I'm going to mention a few other ways that God speaks to us, but this takes the cake. The Bible shows us like no other book can how best to live our lives and how best to understand and relate to God. But despite, despite the great value that this book can bring, I wonder if we treat it like every other manual that we receive in life. Is it just being set aside and going unread? Are we trying to operate our hardware and software without ever referring to the manual? Are we trying to build our lives without the help from its designer? That's the question for today. Unless you and I open this book for ourselves, we will never know if our creator has other intentions for us than the ones we are living. We will never know. We can't ask God to speak to us or expect him to guide us if we keep this book closed. We can't expect that. It's not going to happen. And I, I believe there's no reason that, to keep this book closed. The Bible is a fascinating book or a fascinating collection of books. It is the most treasured book in all of history. The Apostle Paul tells us that every single word in it is God-breathed. It is inspired by God for our benefit. God used 40, quote-unquote, technical writers over a period of about 1,600 years in three different languages and in three different continents to write the text that we call our holy scriptures. And despite the uniqueness of how this book came together, the Bible, the Bible tells one unified story that all points to Jesus, which has the ability to transform our lives when we read it, believe it, and live what it has to say to us. So my goal for today, I want you to hear me clearly. My goal for today is by no means, by no means to bring guilt for something that some of us haven't been doing. That most of us, quite frankly, haven't been doing. But hopefully, hopefully, my desire is for us to see the treasure, the treasure, the treasure that is found in this book. So that we can begin to engage it on a regular, regular basis and be changed by it. That's my goal. 
And so I want us to begin by reading a passage that encapsulates how valuable and life-changing this book can actually be, okay? So we're going to be in Psalm chapter 19. If you have your Bible, turn there, Psalm 19. We're going to be reading from verses 7 through 11. Um, And if not, the, the Bible verses will be on the screen. And if you will, please stand as we read God's word this morning. Psalm 19, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned, and keeping them there is great reward. You may be seated. Pray that God's word will speak to us. Come on, I I feel like I can close in prayer right now just by reading that passage alone. The psalmist is doing two things in this passage. Beyond letting us know how much he treasures God's word, he's describing how amazing the words of God are. He's giving descriptors for the words of God. And then he also is highlighting a benefit that humans receive when we engage his word. So he is writing and telling us that in his own estimation, number one, that he finds the word of God, just to list a few, to be perfect, trustworthy, radiant, and precious. He's like, I I find God's word to be perfect, trustworthy, radiant, and precious. And then as a parallel, he gives us a list of the benefits or rewards that we receive when we live by them. He says, the words of God refresh the soul, make wise the simple, give light to the eyes and joy to the heart. Come on, does anyone need wisdom? Could anyone use some joy in the heart? Could anyone use their soul being refreshed? And if so, if that's you, then you know where to find it. You know where to find it. Rick Warren kind of just summarizes this passage in his own words. He says, reading the Bible generates life, life. It produces change. It heals hurt. It builds character. It transforms circumstances. It imparts joy. It overcomes adversity. It defeats temptation. It infuses hope. It releases power and it cleanses the mind. And I would add that it shows us Jesus. And I believe Rick is writing that not only his his perspective or his point of view is not only from the testimony that he finds in the scriptures or the word of God, but out of his own experience and the experience of countless of millions throughout history. And the amazing thing is that you and I can have that very same experience and encounter as we engage the God of the scriptures. As we engage and read his word. This is why this book should be our most treasured possession. Just like, as, just like it is for the psalmist. Treasured possession. But quite frankly, that's not always true for me. There are times. There are times when I end up valuing other things more than his word. 
Jesus said one time, where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. I believe Jesus is speaking more than just about money. He says, whatever you treasure, whatever you value, your heart is going to be behind that. You are going to desire, you're going to have a passion for it. Your actions will follow that treasure. And I truly believe that unless we treasure his word, we won't engage it. We won't engage it. And let me say something to those of us who have a habit or the rhythm to engage and read God's word every day. We all know, we all know that those moments, that time reading God's word can become very dry. And it becomes dry for this very reason, because we are not truly hungering and thirsting for God to speak to us. We're just kind of going through the motions. At least that's been my experience. There, this has to be a treasure. It has to be a strong desire and passion. The psalmist says that his words, God's words, are more precious than gold, than much pure gold, and that they are sweeter than honey. He is telling us he has a strong desire and he is putting a high value the highest value possible on the words of God. But again, there are times, there are times that I'm relying more on a podcast or a book to make me a better leader or effective at my, at my job than I am relying on God's word. There are times that I feel helpless as a parent or in my relationships because I'm not believing or trusting in God's word. I feel like I'm all alone and I need to figure it out myself. But I don't. I don't. I have God's word, which guides me and gives me wisdom. Now, this does not mean that I don't supplement my learning with other books. I believe all wisdom is God's wisdom. But above all else, this is my source or should be my source. I mentioned earlier that um, God speaks in various ways. But the Bible is the primary way that he communicates with us. Let me give you a framework that I've heard um, from Nikki Gumbel about all of the other ways that God speaks to us. And Nikki Gumbel is a pastor uh, at HTB Church in London. And he is also the creator of the Alpha Curriculum that some of you have gone through in the Intro to Christianity small group. And he lists these five ways that God speaks and guides us. And it's, it's an alliteration. Okay, so bear with me if you're not a fan of alliterations. All right, so this, this is his list. Commanding scripture, compelling spirit, common sense, counsel of saints, and circumstantial signs. All right, so let me go through each one of those. Commanding scripture. This is what we're talking about today. The written word of God. God speaking to us giving us his general will through the Bible. That's the commanding scripture. That's number one. And then the compelling spirit. This is the Holy Spirit that prompts us with thoughts, um, with strong impressions or feelings from within to be able to guide us and lead us. The compelling spirit. And then common sense. I like this one because it does, you know, when we come to faith, we don't just throw out common sense. John Stott writes this. He says, God's promises of guidance we're not given to save us the problem of thinking. 
God's promises of guidance were not given to us to save us the problem of thinking. We need to have common sense when we are, when we are looking for direction and want to be led by God. Number four, counsel of saints. All throughout Proverbs, it talks about seeking advice. And what Proverbs tells us is that the wise seek advice from other wise people. And then the last one, circumstantial signs. A sign could be a door that God is opening for you. It could be a job, a relationship, something that you believe God has just opened for you and he wants you to walk through it. Or it can be a closed door. God saying, no, maybe not no forever, but no for right now. That's how God can at times guide us and lead us. And Nikki Gumbel lists these in such a way, almost in an order of importance or authority. Again, the scripture is the primary way that God speaks or guides us. But it also serves as our plumb line or our checks and balances when we believe that God is speaking to us in another way, in the other four ways that we just described. For instance, an open door to do something that in this book it says is wrong does not mean that it is from God. All the other ways have to submit and fall under the authority of the scriptures. And one distinction and and clarification that I believe is super important to make at this point is I want to talk about the role of the Holy Spirit in all of this. Okay, and for that, I, I like how Mark Batterson breaks down this point in his book, Whisper, which I highly recommend. He writes this. He says, God will never lead us to do something that is contrary to his good, pleasing, and perfect will as revealed in Scripture. That said, Scripture doesn't reveal the, the logistics. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. Scripture doesn't reveal whether we should go here or there. It doesn't nuance whether we should do this, that, or the other thing. And although its truth is timeless, it doesn't reveal now or later. Scripture gives us guidelines, but the Holy Spirit is our guide. That's so helpful. The Holy Spirit comes to reside in us once we put our faith in Jesus. And he is there to guide us, lead us, comfort us, and point us back to Jesus. But he will never go contrary to what God's written word has stated. And with all of this, all of this that we're talking about, whether we are talking about the Holy Spirit or we're talking about hearing God's voice as we read the Bible, I want you to know that it takes time to discern and build up the familiarity and understanding of God's voice. It takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. Um, Again, I believe Mark Batterson uses this illustration in his book. He talks about how babies have to hear their parents repeat sounds thousands of times before they are able to enunciate any of those words. It takes them about 9 to 12 months, parents, you know this, about 9 to 12 months before a baby can speak its first intelligible word. And usually it's daddy, okay? So it's not true. But get this. On its first birthday, a child may only have about five words in their vocabulary bank. But then from there, it just explodes exponentially. By the age of six, the average child has 14,000 words. And every parent knows at that point, it's just talk, 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 talk. I really do love kids, right? 
But to learn the language or voice of God, like any other language, you have to immerse yourself in it. B and I, my wife and I, we both speak Spanish. We grew up in Spanish-speaking homes, but our kids don't speak Spanish because we don't speak it enough around them. We only speak in Spanish when we don't want them to understand what we're saying. (laughs) But I believe if they heard it more often that they would become fluent in Spanish in no time, especially as kids. But again, I believe that in order for us to learn the voice of God, we have to treasure, treasure his words. Mark Batterson, again, he writes, the key to learning is the love of learning. The love of learning. And the same is true of hearing the voice of God. It starts with longing to hear, loving to listen. At some point, most people settle for secondhand spirituality. But listening to those who listen to God is no substitute for seeking Him yourself. If you become reliant upon others for inspiration, that's called spiritual codependency. But God wants to speak to you directly. He wants to speak to you and me. And for this to happen, we have to have a plan. We have to treasure God's word, and then we have to have a plan. Good intentions aren't enough. So I just want to spend the rest of our time laying out a plan that we can execute on. Okay, so... Here's the plan. The first step in reading the Bible is to, number one, establish a consistent time and place to meet with God. Establish a consistent time and place to meet with God. Make sure that the place is a quiet and solitary place. All right. It's hard to focus when there are a lot of distractions around you. And here's the important thing about the time. The time should be blocked off most days of the week. Like if you were going to have a meeting with someone very important, someone who's going to pour into your life. I, I, once heard, um, I once heard a leader talking about the importance of having a mentor as business leaders or, or ministry leaders. He says it's important to have a mentor. And he made the point that you don't necessarily need to meet one-on-one with someone face-to-face in order for them to be your mentor. He says nowadays, if they have written books or done talks, you can devour all that they have to offer and be mentored by them by reading and hearing the content that they have produced because they're giving their best stuff. And I thought, I heard that I'm like, guys, We get to do the same with the creator of the universe. He's given us his best stuff. But unlike learning from a mentor who's far away and you're just reading his book, I believe God is with us when we are reading this book and hungering for his word to speak to us. So establish a consistent time and place to meet with God. Number two. Ask God to help you understand what you are reading. Before reading the Bible, say a short prayer. Don't go to scripture looking for your own idea. Go searching for God's ideas. Remember, it says that his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He's, at, he's on a whole nother plane. Read the Bible prayerfully. But also, read the Bible carefully. 
Take it slow. Here's a, here's a practical point. Study the Bible a little at a time. Max Lucado writes, God seems to send messages as he did his manna, one day's portion at a time. Choose depth over quantity. Read until a verse hits you, then stop and meditate on it. That's great advice. Read slowly, carefully. And when you run into something that just hits you, let that word just ruminate in your heart and mind throughout the day. Number three, keep going. Keep going. Keep reading. Meaning, if possible, do it daily. Understanding comes a little at a time over a lifetime. A little at a time over a lifetime. Doing something for a day or for a week, hear me clearly on this, doing something for a day or for a week won't transform you. As we all know, those of us who sign up for the gym, give it hard for one week and then never show up again. Doing something for a day or for a week won't transform you, but over a long period of time, it has the potential to bring about great Change Many times, many times, hear this, we overestimate what we can do over a short period of time, and we underestimate what we can do over a long period of time. We overestimate what we can do or produce over a short period of time, and we underestimate what we can do over a long period of time. When you try to start this habit of reading God's Word daily, you might not see immediate results, but my encouragement to you is to keep going. Keep going. Keep reading. And here's my fourth and final encouragement to you, is that you put his words into practice. This is the point of it, of him all. Uh, this is the point of it all, him speaking to us. Next week, Pastor Ben's message is going to hone in on just this one point. You don't want to miss that message. He's going to tell us the purpose for which God speaks to us, and it is to apply what we are hearing. So put his words into practice. Guys, the, the Bible truly is a treasure that is hidden in plain sight. In plain sight. Most of us don't read it consistently. Most of us don't seek to apply it to our lives. And I'm not just making a, a broad judgment here. This is what research has shown. This is what I've experienced myself. And, and, and personally, even as I was preparing this message, I felt a conviction of how at times I haven't valued the word of God as more precious than gold. I haven't. But as I'm studying and praying and reading and, and preparing for this message, I was reminded of where it all got started for me. I remember being a fairly new Christian. I was probably about 18 or 19 years old. And I came across this Bible verse, Psalm 119, verse 105. Which, by the way, the whole chapter of Psalm 119, it's an acrostic poem. And it's an amazing piece of literature. It's basically eight verses, each of them beginning with the same Hebrew alphabet, starting basically in our 
version A, B, C, D. So eight verses, everyone is saying, this is what the word of God has done for me. This is what the command of God has done for me. So it's A, eight times. B, eight times. C, eight times. Just talking about how amazing the word of God is. So as an early Christian, I come across this Bible verse. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And that day, this passage just hit me. And I, 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 can, I can tell you with detail where I was, where I was sitting, and even where on the page this verse was in relation to the, to the book. I remember it with great detail. And as I just sat there, just thinking through these dozen or so words, I began to understand how much I need God's word. I began to think about just what it was saying. Your word is a lamp to me, my feet. God, your word, it shows me where I'm standing. It shows me my current state. It shows me whether things are good or whether things are bad. It shows me who I am. Because your word is a lamp to my feet. But not only that, your word is a light to my path. It shows me that where I need to go. It shows me the way to life. It shows me the way to Jesus. Because your word is a light to my path, to the path of life. And at a very early stage in my faith, I just developed this hunger for God's word. And right or wrong, I, was, I always found it easier to sit down and read the Bible than to get on my knees and pray. Both are super important, but I believe sometimes you just fall in one or the, either one of those categories. It's just easier to pray or it's easier to read. For me, it was just, it's just such a hunger for God's word. Prayer just simply required more discipline for me. But I can tell you that I have been transformed by God's word as I have read it, believed it, and applied it to my life. And I want the same for you. I want the same for each and every single one of us. Do you want to hear God's voice? Do you want to hear God speak to you? Here it is. Here it is. And in our day and age, we have no excuse. We have access to this book wherever we are. My encouragement is that you open it up, that you treasure it, and your life will never be the same. Never be the same. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for this day, and I thank you for your word, God, which speaks to us. God, today is not about bringing guilt. God, I just pray that each and every single one of us will have our eyes open to be able to see how much of a treasure your word is. That we will desire it more than we desire gold, pure gold. That we will desire it more than we desire honey, even the sweetest honey. Meaning that it would be the most valuable thing that each of us has and pursues and seeks after. And so, God, I pray that that will be the case, and I pray that we will open it up, and I pray that you will speak to us. Give us perseverance to keep going at it every day. God, we want to hear from you, because we know that your words are life. As Jesus said to Satan when he was being tempted in the wilderness, 
Man does not live on bread alone, on physical food alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. God, we need that spiritual food to be able to live, to truly have life. And I pray that you will give it to us. And I pray that you give us the strength and the courage to seek after it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen.